Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Hey. Do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. After a string of hits on modern rock radio, Hoobastank had their only crossover success in 2004 with The Reason. This anthem of love became unavoidable for years to follow. And this week, Michael and Dave of the Center Cut podcast are joining us to discuss the song and whether the band was worthy of massive success or just Hoobastinks. And so I have to say before I go guys well the first thing i want to ask you is have either of you or both of you ever eaten a who burrito nope i can't say i have you have no idea what i'm talking about here nope no so i'm not sure what year it was it was maybe like 2008 or something or i should have done better research on that (laughs) but denny's had a rock star menu and one ah. of the things on there was a Hoobastank themed burrito, which was called <laughs> the the Who Burrito, which people loved it so much that there were like petitions to get it back on the menu after their like rock star menu thing and ended. It was uh, and I never had it because I, I don't eat bird. It was crispy chicken strips, pepper jack cheese, the best type of cheese, I will add mm-hmm. my favorite type of mm-hmm. cheese, cheese sauce, 
fried onion crispers and a hint of barbecue sauce. So I mean, that sounds like a pretty good fucking burrito. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. ridiculously so, amazing. So, so swap it out. Swap out that chicken for some fake chicken for me or something. It does sound really good. Punchline was on tour at the time, and I remember going to Denny's and like looking at this menu and being like what the hell is this? Because there was also on this same menu at Denny's, there was a taking back Sunday, melty grilled chicken and sausage quesadilla. There was the great egg steak, which was boys like girls themed uh, meal. And, and there was the hot and cold cherry chocolate cappuccino, which was a Katy Perry themed cappuccino, I guess. But I remember being like half the bands on here. We like played shows with, or we did, we had just, I don't know, in the past year or two before that, like done a whole tour with Boys Like Girls. I was like, how do they get their own thing at Denny's? I don't even, are they that big to have their own thing at Denny's? I was thinking that because like, I remember Boys Like Girl. I remember that self-titled album was like MySpace big, but I didn't know it was Denny's big. <laughs> it was Denny's big, big man. <laughs> it was and Denny's big. No, their theme song was on the, the what's that? The Amazing Race? It was on The Amazing oh. Race. So they're that, they were pretty big. They had like three big hits off of that. Well, they had three songs I remember being hits off of that album. All right. If you're going to throw around songs being hits that easily, Matt, then I don't know why you allowed these dudes to pick Hoobastank today <laughs> because I know this is going to be one of those episodes where people are like, what are you talking about, Hoobastank's a one-hit wonder? For starters, I know, Mike and Dave, you guys gave us – uh, these choices of different songs that you maybe wanted to do. Matt shut you down on a lot of them. No, we're not going to do, do Jimmy World. We don't consider them a one-hit wonder. No, we're not going to do... Who else did you shut them down on? Bloodhound Gang? I would have gave them a pass. I think Goldfinger Goldfinger was the other one, too. Yeah, okay. Goldfinger, I could have seen over Hoobastank, maybe. But, but first, I'll give you guys a chance to tell us why you chose Hoobastank, and then we'll let Matt defend why he let it pass i wanted to pick something obnoxious okay what it boils down to (laughs) all right and i think this qualifies so i just want i just want to clear one thing that boys like girls had not one not two but three top 40 hits and all three of them were in the top 20 wow so i didn't even know that that's bigger than that's bigger than hoopastank's other songs there's no way in hell boys like girls are bigger than hoopastank i'm gonna say that right now that's not possible it's because of this one song that Hoopa Stank is bigger. Yeah, okay. This mm. song is enormous. Do either of you guys like this song is an important question. So I don't mind Hoopa Stank as a band. This isn't my favorite song of theirs. Okay. But I don't mind this song. I mean, it's not great. I don't like this song. And going into this, I thought that I hated everything about Hoopa Stank. We'll talk about it. But... I, I guess I'll semi-spoil it. I didn't hate some of their older stuff as much as I thought I would. Okay, yeah. And Matt, you, you let this pass as a one-hit wonder. And something interesting that Matt shared with us while we were getting prepared to start recording is that he does not like Hoobastank. And that is unbelievable to me because this dude <laughs> likes everything. You Are you telling me you didn't have... A, your least favorite Hoobastank song on a mix CD. Of- <laughs> I used to, I used to legitimately. I remember this was this was 2004, right? So it was my senior year of high school, and I literally used to refer to Hoobastank as the reason I stopped listening to radio, like <laughs> because it was so obnoxious at that point that it felt like every time 
if I turned on the car and there wasn't a CD in the disc player and it just went to my radio station, it was always that dun 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 <laughs> single note piano kicking off the song. And I was like, oh no, not Uva Stank again. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I, I got to make note of this because I believe Michael told you told me this, right? That you also did the least favorite song making mix CDs of your least favorite song CD. Thing. Similar. I would. Yeah, I would. Whenever I bought a new CD, I would spend time and actually rank the songs by how much I liked them. I would give them like a, a scale and then I would focus on the songs that were on the lower end of the scale to see if they could rise up. Rise up from the bottom. I like that. I like Mike and I are just stack guys. Yeah, that's what that's it, what it is. It, it, exactly. It just we're stack guys. We're stack guys. It's important. I like ranking things, so I don't blame you guys there. But when yeah, when we're talking about Hoobastank here, this song, oh, it's so straightforward and so like lowest common denominator, mm-hmm. like pandering or something like. It just feels so inauthentic to me. It just sounds like, okay, we gotta ha- we gotta write this hit song. What can we do here? Who who was listening to this song and feeling real emotions at the time? Was it was it people who never heard another song before and only turned on the radio at that moment? I don't understand like who that was. It wasn't people that were into hard rock. Who made this song so huge is what I want to know. I've got one one person I can suggest, which is the writing team at Friends, because they were like, this. Mm-hmm. This is the song that will be in the final episode of the show to tie all the wow. all the storylines together. <laughs> wow. I know the answer. Okay. Who is it? I think the number one reason that this song is a hit is the first line of the song. I'm yep. not even joking. <laughs> I'm not a perfect person. The average white American just wants to listen to a song talking about how much of a piece of shit they are. That's the key to a hit song. <laughs> Chris, if you if you want your first hit, there just needs to be a song on your next album titled I Suck. That's it. I'm telling trust me on this. You are absolutely 1000% right, and I'll tell you why is because there has been in the past year or so a TikTok challenge, the I'm not a perfect person challenge where I watched so many of these videos today, it is people taking that first line. These are like, I'm talking 15 second videos, just taking that first line, putting this weird effect on themselves, and then it's it's either on the screen some sort of fact about themselves, or it's like a video of that thing, of how terrible they are. Yeah. I think my favorite one that I saw when I was looking at them was when you're trash talking Jeff Bezos with your friends and an Amazon package shows up at your front door. Right. <laughs> yeah. The the one the one I saw was when you're a feminist but your cat emoji starts to tingle when he calls you a slut. That was that was that was that was the one I saw. And then Ever since I watched these today, I've been thinking like, as soon as we get off here, I'm not even kidding, guys. As soon as we get off here, I'm going to make one of these uh, because I am on TikTok now. And I actually like TikTok. I think it's pretty good. I'm still debating what I'm going to do. And I might ponder this a little longer. I might not do it immediately. But a couple of mine were either that (laughs) after I eat breakfast, which is generally healthy eggs and yogurt and stuff. I always have breakfast dessert, which is a big handful of mini Kit Kats. <laughs> so I'm not a perfect person in that regard. And or or it could be the fact that I only wash my shower towel once every like 
three weeks. I only wash it when I go to dry myself and it's damp from the last shower. Then I'm like, okay, I need a new towel. My wife forces mine me to switch mine out and I wouldn't. I, I would be with you. I'd be the same thing. But my wife like takes it from me. Right. How often? Uh, so she probably takes it from me maybe every four or five days. But I would definitely go weeks. That's okay. See, I'm a weekly guy. Yeah. Every Sunday I, I switch out the towel. I like your I like that routine. <laughs> but I yeah. get the four or five days, that's not bad. My friend Johnny, he's every day. A new towel every oh, day. Insane. All he does is wash towels all his life. He's just gonna be <laughs> That's just wasteful. <laughs> yeah. I mean you're coming out of the shower, you are clean. You're as clean as you're ever gonna be. And then you're drying your clean body with it. Hang it up, let it dry, and dry your clean body with it again. People act like you're people well, yeah, will reference like, oh, you're drying your butt and your genitals <laughs> or whatever. But like You should have just washed those. Yes. Did you not just wash those? Yes, those are very <laughs> What were you clean. doing in there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they've never been cleaner than the second that <laughs> towel touches them, honestly. Michael, how often do you switch out your towel? I want to know. So I just need to clarify, are we talking the hand towel or the towel that I actually dry my body with? The body towel. The, the hand the post shower towel. <laughs> what are you talking about? The hand about? towel hand can towel? go years. Do you just <laughs> <laughs> Do you just use a hand towel to dry just your balls or something weird? No, 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 no. So the body towel, I I go every two showers. Wow. Every two days. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Thing. And this dude loves to shower. I learned I that. I did yep. the Center Cut podcast not that long ago. I'm going to plug that real quick. If you haven't checked out the Center Cut, you should go listen to it, especially my episode. These two dudes watch the first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes of a movie they've never seen. And it is the guest's responsibility to then quiz them where they compete against each other to see who can answer the questions of what happens in between for our episode we did midsummer and i thought it was amazing it was one of my favorite uh <laughs> podcasts that i've ever been a guest on and so you should go listen to that but in that episode i learned how much you love to shower michael you are a shower man i am it's very important to me i it's been over 10 years since i've not showered in, in a day wow i'm right there with you i'm a daily shower guy i also and this is a weird shower habit of mine is if I'm staying in a hotel room, there's a chance of two or three showers in a single day just cause. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm like, I can have this. I can shower as long as I want. I don't have to worry about a water bill. And mm -hmm. I'm just going to enjoy. I'm going to put on a podcast. I'm just going to stand in this scolding hot shower <laughs> until the podcast is over. Some people like go out and like see <laughs> see the place they're at. You're like, nope. no, this is me time. I just need to be in the shower. Just hanging out. I treat staying at a hotel at 36 the way that Kevin McAllister treated staying in a hotel. <laughs> Bringing it back to Hoopastank, they are a band for people who don't shower daily, I think is what it boils down to. I do have a Hoopastank question for y'all. Was the reason the first Hoopastank song you ever heard? No. No, actually. It was it was Crawling in the Dark for me. Same. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And that's one of those multiple songs that I was like, oh, this seems like a hit. So does Running Away. So does... Uh, that same direction song. These all seem like pretty big songs to me. And I will make note in doing my research. See, I wrote this band off. I was way too cool for this band. Mm -hmm. And when I listen to them now, I'm like, oh, this is like way better than a lot of bands that kind of emulated this and then threw in like unnecessary screaming. That Running Away song and Crawling in the Dark, I think those songs are kind of good. That Crawling in the Dark song, I like the chorus. Like, it goes back and forth where it's like a breakdown beat, and then it picks back up, like, within the chorus. I think that's pretty cool. Like, 
I don't think these are bad songs. I'm going to be honest. And I'm a critic. One of the things that I learned about Hoobastank while doing the research, and it, as soon as I read this sentence, it was like a million different things clicked in my head where I was like, this all suddenly makes so much more sense, is that they frequently played shows with a then unknown incubus. Mm -hmm. You're, You're just realizing this? You're, you're, I didn't really you, listen to a lot of Incubus. Are, are the only you, Incubus song I knew for a while was the acoustic one, dude, that Drive song. Dude, from the first time I heard Hoobastank, I was like, oh, this is like Diet Incubus. This is, <laughs> And, dude, I, I couldn't believe I was ready to like talk about this, and, and then it wasn't in the notes, and then I, I was like, this isn't in the notes for this that Matt sent me. And then I looked at myself, I'm like, oh, so for the past, whatever, 20 years, I've thought that the singer of... Hoobastank was the brother of the singer of Incubus. Somebody, somebody told me that a long time ago, and I have just believed that for decades, and I just found out right now that they are not. And I just always assumed these bands were like literal brother bands, and... Dude, I, I think Incubus is kind of good. Like, I don't celebrate their entire catalog, but like that... What's it called? That, that mo- Morning View? Or whatever it's called... That album, yeah, Morning View. Yeah, that album's good, and they're a good band. And the both these bands, like, I don't know what their style is. It, it's kind of like on the edge of new metal, but mm. it's also like funky a little bit. So it's kind of on the edge of like the Red Hot Chili Peppers or something. Like, I don't know where they fit. I know they fit on modern rock radio like a glove. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's and that might yeah. be my issue with them i don't think the songs are that bad <laughs> minus the reason <laughs> i i think one of the other things that jumped out at me with hoobastank first of all apparently before they got signed they had two sax players in their band yeah which is weird i don't know what to think about them i don't know that that i guess they released an album like in the past few years 2018 or something I'm, i imagine they're still popular i saw actually you know who just toured with them matt Weedus. Oh, interesting. Weedus, Living Color. I think that tour is happening right they're, now. They're on tour right now. Yeah. That tour just started. No, it's like the <laughs> second part of it, but it's Weedus, oh. Hoobastank, Living Color, and Everclear are yeah, touring baby. together. It's like the Summerland tour. <laughs> I was going to say, is that Summerland? Are they finally bringing the Summerland tour back? Yep. Yep. It is. <laughs> Our good buddy and friend of the podcast, Matt Milligan, would be a good person to ask if Hoobastank's good. <laughs> I'm sure he's not going to talk <laughs> shit on him, but uh, this is the problem that I have with Hoobastank. And I think I think it's what caused me to think that I hated them before I actually gave them a fair chance. I think it's their name. I think yeah. it's far and away the worst part about them. What's wrong with their name? I just I don't think we'd be covering them on this episode if they had a halfway normal band name. I guess it's that Stank is That's in their what name. It is. <laughs> yeah, you can't put Stank in your name and expect people to take you seriously. It's a fatal flaw. Well, it, and the I, first part is Hooba. Like what's a Hooba? Michael, can I ask what your rap name was again? It was MC Pongo Puse, but that's not the point yeah. here. <laughs> Fine. So, <laughs> yeah. No, this is my favorite part, though. Before they were Hoobastank, they were Hoobastank. They were H O O B U S T A N K. And they changed the U to an A. Yeah. Once well, they got signed. I would like to challenge your theory here, considering this band had like this enormous song. Okay, maybe it caught people's attention. You know, maybe if they would have been called uh, Lake chore uh sand boys that i don't know like i don't that's uh, that was all i could think of was lake shore sand boys i i suddenly understand why punchline got their name and is stuck with it for 25 years (laughs) lake shore sand boys what might not have had this hit i don't know 
according to like the bassist, I want to say it is, or I don't know, one of the guys in the band said that the name came from the fact that the lead singer Rob was completely unable to pronounce a German named street in their town. And I'm guessing it was that H O O B U stank and he was pronouncing it Huba stank. So that's like how that happened. But like, also, why would you name a street in your town Hubu stank or whatever? That- <laughs> yeah, whatever was even close to that would also be terrible. Yeah. Well, why do you think they changed the U to the A? What's that all about? Maybe there was a, already a Hubu stank. Yeah, that's probably what it is. <laughs> <laughs> they got a cease and desist. <laughs> Hey, they also have this song. I don't know if you guys know this song. I brought it up before, but they have a song called Same Direction, which was Mm -hmm. kind of a hit for them, I think, from 2005. And I I was watching the music video. First of all, the music video has Kanye West, Chester Bennington, and the singer of Joel Madden. Yeah, the lead singer from Good Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. Has all three of them, like, mouthing the word, lip syncing the words to the song in the music video. I'm like, damn, you got some heavy hitters for this music video. But I guess this was right on the heels of the reason. So at that point, Hoobastank was probably bigger or as big as all three of them. They, they probably were like, yeah, we'll be in the music video by this gigantic band. But I was trying to figure out, I'm like, how do I know this song so well? And so I'm like... I'm, try- I'm looking it up. I'm like, I-, I don't understand like why I know every word of this song. Like I was never like a fan of the band or owned one of the things. And then I saw it. You know what it I is, know Dave. Why- I know why I knew it. Yeah, let's hear it. It's probably the same so, reason. So why I knew it was it, it was because it was in a PlayStation 2 video game. Sure was. Called Test Drive Eve of Destruction. Wow. It was also in Madden 05. That's why. Which is, I- might be what you're Yeah, to. I knew it because of Madden. I mean, in- and when a song is in Madden, and you play Madden all the time. Like at the time I was living with my buddy, Johnny, and we played Madden like all the time. Be like, you want to play Madden? Yeah, okay, let's play. <laughs> that same song, you would hear it every time at the startup mm-hmm. menu or mid-game or whatever. And this same Direction song played more than any other song on that game. So yeah, that's why it's drilled into my I head. was wondering why I knew this better than The Reason. Like I thought yeah. this was a bigger hit than The Reason. And then I looked at like the charts and I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like what is going on? And then I realized that it was in a bunch of video games. Yep. And video whenever game, whenever a song's in a video game, it just like sticks with me like, Superman by Goldfinger in the original Tony Hawk. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day. At sax.com. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist. Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! They were on a lot of video games. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I feel like almost every song that I clicked into on their page when it was like used in other media, 
like Crawling in the Dark appeared in Karaoke Revolution, MLB Slugfest 2004, <laughs> and Ingre- Aggressive Incline, which was basically like the Tony Hawk game for if you're really into Bladen. <laughs> yeah. That sounds if awesome. Your favorite movie was Brink. <laughs> yeah, if you loved Brink, <laughs> boy, do we have a game for you. <laughs> and why is Hoobastank in so many of these? My theory would be they're just so safe. They're like uh-huh. middle yeah. of the road, like not too heavy to the point where it's going to like turn people off, but edgy enough that it's like, yeah, this is rock and roll. <laughs> this rocks, dude. <laughs> like, you know, once again, kind of appealing to the lowest common denominator, even though I think that Hoobastank are musically pretty decent. Like they're not, they're not terrible. We've definitely covered Way worse bands than Hoobastank on here. So not as much as Incubus, but also a pretty shirtless singer. <laughs> I've yep. seen him seen him shirtless a good bit. That's always like been a in general, it's kind of a negative for me, usually. You don't like Red Hot Chili Peppers then, huh? You know, I am so confused about what I think about Red Hot Chili Peppers because like <laughs> because on one hand, they were one of the first like rock bands I ever liked. They were the first them and the Adam Sandler CD were the first CDs that I ever got that had a parental advisory on them. Anthony Kiedis is more than a voice. Yeah, he's not a very good singer, but those melodies are pretty great. He's a great energetic front man. I don't know. It's it's a conundrum because I feel like Red Hot Chili Peppers have written some amazing songs. No doubt. Oh, like Soul to Squeeze oh, is like that's the a one. masterpiece mm-hmm. of a song. That's like, the one. And, and I mean, so many great songs, but I also think they've written some of the worst songs I've ever heard. So... <laughs> I, I got to just give them credit for just going for it. They've been around forever. I know they're a polarizing band. I've seen people say they're the worst band ever. I don't think that's the case. No. But they are the most shirtless band ever. <laughs> they're yeah. definitely And pantsless. Sure. And if you watch the Woodstock 99 documentary, also pantsless. I saw mm-hmm. Flea's penis a lot in that thing. Also, they didn't really come off too good in that thing. <laughs> they they kind of <laughs> came off as like, I, I don't blame the bands for that thing, but... They could have done a little more to like calm things down instead of fanning the flames literally by playing fire while things are on fire. I don't know. <laughs> what am I? Who am I to say when you get caught up in the moment? I'm not blaming the Chili Peppers. We're not here to talk I, about the Chili Peppers. <laughs> I want to talk about before before even crawling in the dark, back when they were a funk metal ska punk band yeah, in wild. 1998. Hubu stank. Yeah, the Hubu stank days. Yeah. They put out an album. A self-released album called They Sure Don't Make Basketball Shorts Like They Used To. Mm-hmm. And there's a few things about this album that I want to mention. First of all, three of the songs feature samples of the comedian Thomas F. Wilson, who's Biff Tannen from Back to the Future. Yep. But it's nothing about Back to the Future. It's just that they really liked a comedy special he did and pulled <laughs> samples from that for the wow. album. It features That's a song awesome. called The Naked Jock Man. Yep. And then it says here, and Chris, going back to like safe bands that just feels edgy enough, and I feel like that describes this sentence. The final track on the album is called The Dance That Broke My Jaw. The song ends at 4 minutes and 23 seconds, followed by a hidden track in which the band prank calls a McDonald's. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Did you listen to it? Because it's ridiculous. (laughs) It's just, so I don't know, it's presumably one of the band members, and he just does a woman and a dude saying they got a Big Mac and it had spaghetti and meatballs in it. I'm not joking, they put that on the album. (laughs) 
Wow. So wow. there's spaghetti in my Big Mac. Like the, that's you know the what's the, the funny album. thing, though? If, if I had let you guys do Goldfinger, we would also be talking about an album that ends with a weird prank call. That's <laughs> true. We were all very heavily influenced by the Jerky Boys back those back in those days. So I understand. That's fair. I get it. Now you look at it and you're like, oh, you guys are pranking like someone making a minimum wage who's already having a shitty day and you're making their day worse. You should be pranking freaking the, I don't know, a banker. <laughs> prank a banker. <laughs> prank a banker. Yeah, prank a banker. Prank a someone working on Wall Street. Prank those fucks, not the people working at the fast food restaurants <laughs> what i'm thinking bankers i'm, th- I'm talking i'm thinking like the monopoly man whatever the job yeah, is that you're I gotcha. the, yeah, you yeah, look yeah, like yeah. the monopoly man you have like a monocle and you have a bag of money with a dollar sign on it that's who yep. deserves to have a shake thrown in their face <laughs> can we talk about the year 2004 in general which i guess until doing the research i did not realize was the year of usher where like <laughs> he so so the only thing that kept this song from being a number one hit was that Usher's burn was just holding that number one spot real tight. But Usher also had Confessions Part 2 at number five on the charts. Wow. And yeah, featuring Little John and Ludacris at six on the charts. Wow. And his album Confessions was the best-selling record both in the United States and globally. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Usher. That's incredible. It. Usher is killing it. I mean, Confessions Part 2 is unreal that song's unbelievable dan you're telling me that the reason was never number one it was a number one modern rock hit song in 2004 and i i appreciate you mentioning that chris because i want to talk about all the other songs that were number one modern rock hits and i'm doing this for a reason pun intended um so like you said people were like what about hoobastank what about crawling in the dark that was a number three modern rock hit so like therefore they don't qualify and i always refer to like the would my mom know the other songs role like mm-hmm. like the billboard charts is the the most mainstream across the board these are the biggest songs regardless of genre and when you look at like all of the number one songs that hit in 2004 there's definitely songs that i have never heard in my entire life that were number one modern rock songs so here's a quick Rundown of all of the songs in 2004 that hit number one on the modern rock charts. Hit that by The Offspring. Don't know it. Megalomaniac by Incubus. I Miss You by Blink-182. Last Train Home by The Lost Prophets. The Love Song Cover by 311. Cold Hard Bitch by Jet. Lying From You by Linkin Park, which I don't remember that song. Check It Out by The Beastie Boys, which is insane that that was considered a modern rock hit because that is just straight hip-hop. Slither by Velvet Revolver. Float On by Modest Mouse. Mm. Just Like You by Three Days Grace. Breaking the Habit by Linkin Park. American Idiot by Green Day. Vertigo by U2. Pain by Jimmy World. And Boulevard of Broken Dreams by Green Day. Wow. Pain was a number one modern rock song? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I I didn't know that. And yeah, Boulevard of Broken Dreams makes sense. An American Idiot. And... Float on, yeah, man. I mean, there's some good. But then you've got like Velvet Revolver. Like I couldn't hum that Velvet no. Revolver song if you paid me a million dollars. Nope. Okay, so <laughs> hold on. My first exposure to Hoobastank, other than the reason being on everything everywhere, is I saw Velvet Revolver in concert and Hoobastank opened for them. And supposedly. <laughs> There was some strong beef between the lead singer yeah. Hoobastank and Scott Weiland. <laughs> yeah, I found that afterwards. I was like, apparently they weren't really getting at it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
Scott Weiland was a wild man. I'm an STP fan, but he he, he yeah. was wild for sure. Yeah, interesting. 2004. I mean, I, I, I'm looking at this. What were the? You also marked down the best selling albums of that year, Matt. Encore by Eminem, Feels Like Home by Nora Jones, and Confession by Usher. Yeah, the, the year of Usher yeah. continues. I mean, I also see we didn't mention This Love by Maroon Five was on there talking about middle of the road sort of music, <laughs> like the most generic music possible. All pretty interesting to throw ourselves back into this time. I think about 2004 for me in my band, we had. We were touring a lot, and uh, the Punchline album Action had come out at that time. I feel like maybe I was not paying attention to the what was number one on Modern Rock so much, but I don't know. A lot of these songs have stood the test of time. I don't know what Hit That by The Offspring is. It was not a good song. Okay. Oh, oh, The Offspring had a not good song? That's a real hey, shocker. How, how dare you? I will. Def- I fucking love The Offspring, yeah. but that is not a good song by The Offspring. Okay, all right. It was on arguably their worst album, Splinter. And- okay, all right. Well, is there is there anything else that, w- that we need to talk about before, we'd, before we make a decision here? And this is actually a tough, this is a tough decision. And we got four people voting today. And I have something that's going to sway your decision. Okay, let's hear it. It's the it's lyrics to the song Inside of You, which was post The Reason. And okay. everything post The Reason is absolute garbage. They've completely fell off a cliff after The Reason. They really couldn't figure, like, you listen to the, the newer albums, and it's like they couldn't figure out what they wanted to be. It's like every song is, like, so vastly different than the previous one. That I just feel like they like completely lost their identity and just couldn't figure out what that what the heck was going on. So here are the here here's quick quick lyrics is like five lines. Not to be forward, miss, but I think I'll kill myself if I ever knew what do I have to do to get inside of you? Because I love the way you move when I'm inside of you. Wow. What is wrong with Hoopastink? Wow. So this is um this is the description because I clicked into the wiki page for the song. The description of the song in the music video says this. Lyrically, the song contains clear sexual references while evading profanity. The music video for the song <laughs> contains a well representation of these lyrics as it shows the band behind a various peep show while attractive women watch them with pleasure. The song has been played at every live show since its release. Wow. <laughs> Michael, you you re- you brought those lyrics up so it made me pull up the lyrics to the song we're talking about, The Reason. And I'm looking at these in front of me, and I'm like, oh my god. These might be the worst <laughs> lyrics I've ever read. These this look- is the most first draft lyrics I've ever seen in my first entire draft, life. This, I thought you were going to say first grade. These look like... <laughs> <laughs> the, the lyrics are. I'm gonna read them. They're they're worth reading. There's not that many of them either because there's just like repetition. There's not. They do a lot and, of a lot of repetition. And and I think that Michael had a good point about the "I'm not a perfect person" line. That like ev- everybody can just be like, "Oh, I did something horrendous today." Mm-hmm. I'm not a perfect person. There's many things I wish I didn't do, but I continue learning. I never meant to do those things to you. And so I have to say before I go. That I just want you to know, I found a reason for me to change who I used to be, a reason to start over new, and the reason is you. It's like Adam Sandler in the, uh, in what movie is does he is he write the greeting cards? Shit, is that Mr. Deeds? Yeah, it's oh. Deeds. That's Deeds. Yeah, it is Mr. Deeds. So, yeah. so we have one more verse before it's just all repetition. It's, I'm sorry that I hurt you. It's something I must live with every day. And all the pain I put you through... I wish that I could take it all away and be the one who catches all your tears 
that's why I need you to hear. And that is all the lyrics, which, yeah. <laughs> which is proof that, you know, if you're a songwriter out there and you're just doing your best to not only pour your emotions into a song, but also be unique and, and really dig down deep and write something awesome that you're doing it all wrong. You just have to write the most generic bullshit ever. And it be- can become a huge song. Hoobastank, if you're listening, I think some of your songs are pretty cool. This song mm-hmm. is trash. This song so is I'm gonna garbage. Throw something, <laughs> I'm going to throw something out there that I just realized. This is very clearly a breakup song, right? Like there's no denying that there's nothing in these lyrics that say that they get back together. This is a breakup song where he's like, yo, I'm sorry I fucked up, but I wish you would take me back. I am positive that people have gotten married and this was their song. 100%. Yeah. Like, so many Caucasians have tied the knot to this. It's embarrassing. Like, yeah, all people who had never heard another song before. <laughs> yeah. this, all people who this was the first song they ever heard. Anyway, here we go. We're, we, we, could have, do it. we could have a split decision here. We got four. I don't think we've ever had four before on here. Let's start with Matt. Oh, it's a blunder. I'm not even going to... I've never liked this song I enjoyed Crawling in the Dark, but, like, one song does not make a band a thunder. Like, I wish that Crawling in the Dark was the bigger song that we were talking about. It may have gone differently, but that wasn't the big cultural phenomenon hit. It was it was the reason. So, yeah, Blunder all the way for me. Okay, Michael, what you got? Thunder or Blunder on this one? <sighs> it's tough because they actually had a somewhat like punk slash ska sound on their first album. And they just went away from it to be pure radio rock. And by the time they hit their third major release, they were just already off the cliff. It's just, it's music that rich kids play paintball to, or or like 40-year-old crusty people play at a dive bar at 1am. It's just, it's just not for me, man. As much as I somewhat liked some of their first album, because they went away from it, I got to go blunder. I got to go blunder. All right. We got two blunders, man. Dave. Well, I have a feeling, I have a feeling how this is going to end, but (laughs) I'm going to say wonder just to make it exciting. But also, you know, I do think that Chris was right at the very beginning of the episode where he talked about how he thinks that this was kind of them following the cookie cutter rules to writing a hit and trying to be popular but I think that some of their their other stuff is is pretty good. So as much as as this song is, you know, not definitely not their best thing. I, I think that they have other other stuff to give, especially in their older their older albums. Yeah. So you're giving them the thunder and or thunder. Sorry, <laughs> this is such a strange one for me because <laughs> usually it's you know you have some sort of opinion about the big song and you dive deeper into the catalog and decide if they're thunder based on that this is an interesting one where i think some of their other songs are pretty good and it's just that the big hit that we're talking about is so bad that like i can't get over it and here's the thing these guys pro i mean i don't know what they're they've had a music career forever because of it they're probably super wealthy because of it they don't have to worry about shit now because of this song that still gets played or whatever but all those things doesn't mean that i have to like it and it doesn't mean that i'm gonna give it a thunder on our podcast where we talk about your thing so you can have it all but what you cannot have is a thunder because i'm giving this the big blunder hubastank you know i think some of your other songs are okay but you're a blunder on this podcast 
I was very I was very concerned that you were going to crazy town us. No, 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 no. I mean, and it's a shame because, you know, it's just it's just this song is just too bad. It's too It's a really bad it's song. It's really bad. It's 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 the definition of lowest common denominator song. It's there's nothing interesting musically about it. There's nothing interesting lyrically about it. It is the most trite, overdone type of song ever. It's just I don't know. And it, it, if if it had one thing, it would be like real emotion and it just feels like processed overproduced what like it doesn't i don't hear any real emotion in that it's just yeah it's it's not good i have a question though for you sure if you had an opportunity to do something like that with punchline and just have one song that like super put you on the map just so you never had to worry about it again and you guys could just do what you wanted forever didn't have to worry about money again wouldn't you take that opportunity? So, okay, so in this scenario, let's say the reason by Hoobastank doesn't exist and someone hands us this song and says, you guys play this song and you are going to... You're set. You're set. It's a really interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> because on one well, hand, I believe that I would like to take the success of that and make lots and lots of really great music though or at least you know try to like do cool things with yeah, it do which, what you want yeah. do what you want but not to sound pretentious but the artist in me would be like we can't do this this song <laughs> we can't do it luckily this isn't a thing that anyone ever actually experiences well i don't know maybe maybe some artists do experience that not usually I was say five said no to bye 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 right i mean not not usually it doesn't <laughs> It doesn't usually happen in rock music, I guess I should say. I'm sure it does. You but know? I also think a lot of times when people are saying no to it, they don't realize the the level of sure right. excitement that it'll generate. Right. Yeah, I guess also if someone handed you these lyrics and said, if you record this, it'll be the biggest song in the world, you'd be like, you fucking with me? Like, I, think fucking. That, I think that if anybody in my band, say Hoobastank didn't exist, no one ever heard this song, if somebody in my band in 2003 or 2004 picked up an acoustic guitar, came over and said, hey, I wrote this song and played it, I think that all the rest of the three of us would be like, eh, nah. <laughs> I really think that. <laughs> like when you, It's yeah. just it's so just boring that I think all of us would have been like, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I honestly think the only thing that this song has going for it is that I do think that the little guitar riff in the background is cool. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. guitar, that yeah. guitar rift, and then the the transition of that to the the chords that it plays into the into the chorus is just like going from that little riff to the solid chords. Mm. I feel like is the only thing that like really actually like generates that that memory instinct to like kick. Don't in. make me second guess myself here. I'm not a perfect person, but but. Maybe we are all being affected a little bit by the fact that this has been pounded in our brains for decades to the point where it's like, oh, God, why? Why is that song on instead of something else? <laughs> Just trying to make the point that I don't fault Hoobastank for taking an opportunity to write a hit and continuing to just do what they wanted to do. Turns out continuing to do what they wanted to do wasn't very good. But but <laughs> if it was, we wouldn't be talking. Right. Hoobastank, not perfect people, not a perfect song, but probably pretty nice people. Have some other good songs. And uh, sorry, you're a blunder here, but you're obviously a thunder in the world of music. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> and, and real quick before we sign off, but how about one last 
quick plug for for Center Cut podcast. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, as as you mentioned during the show, that's what we do. We watch the beginning and end of something, whether it's a TV show or a movie, uh, TV season or a movie. And we field questions to guess about the middle. And it is ridiculous. It's irreverent. But we have a lot of fun. And uh, you should probably come check us out because people are having a good time. Hell yeah. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Othios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Just Getting Started off of the Punchline album, Action. Visit punchline.com for merch, music, and upcoming shows. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Matt and Chris can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.